Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Bill and Pam Farrell. I'm so thankful my Comcast cable is buried underneath the ground. I'm sure some of the other guys are just as thankful for that. Once again, welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so great to have you here. As Pastor Dan said, uh, we're right in the middle of our Family Matters series 2018. And I say 2018 because we first launched this series last year in June of 2017. As I mentioned to you last week, it was a big hit, so we brought it back. Now, last Sunday in uh, lesson number one of this series, I talked to you about the church family. Anybody remember that? A few of you. That was last Sunday only. I reminded you that for some people, their church family represents the only loving and caring and supportive family members they have. And immediately following the service last week, uh, an unmarried gal who's been here at Community Christian Church forever uh, came and told me exactly what I had mentioned to you. She confirmed that very thing, said that this church means the world to her, and she would say the only reason she's currently serving the Lord is because of the church. And so the church is extremely important. And I trust you feel the same way as she does, because I know I sure do. Today for the second installment, we figured we'd bring in the big guns. And so I invited uh, uh, Bill and Pam Farrell, the relationship experts, to come and talk to us today. And this is not their first appearance here at Community Christian Church. They were with us about 12 years ago, and it's so great to have you guys back again. Thank you so much for coming. So Bill and Pam, they travel around the world talking about all aspects of the family. They co-authored um, Love-Wise which is a combination or emerging together of love and wisdom, which uh, from the biblical standpoint is an unbeatable combination, and they've written about a million books, well, uh, closer to 35. But anyway, uh, their best-selling book is Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti. Uh, In other words, we're different. We're different because that's the way God created us, and it's okay. So let's give them a huge Community Christian Church welcome. Well, good morning, everybody. It is always a pleasure to be with you. We love the energy here. We love the enthusiasm, the love for Jesus. Um, It's obvious in your worship that Jesus is alive and well here. And I want to let you know, um, from Southern California, Jesus is alive and well in Southern California, too. Despite the craziness you hear, um, he's he's doing pretty good down there. Yeah. And, um, And see, Bill, is worship director, are you in the room? Bill, are you here? Sorry, I, didn't mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just want to publicly say thank you. Fabulous. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be quoting you for a while. Um, it may feel like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him. Yeah, that was worth, that was worth the flight yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. You know, um, we travel around the world, and everywhere we go, people really care about relationships. And um, even... Um, our books have been translated now into 15 different languages, and we were in um, Singapore. And when you're kind of, um, when you're a little bit anxious there, um, they try to calm you down by saying, it's okay, no problem, it's mm-hmm. okay, no problem. Um, so I, I know some of you might be anxious about what we talk about today, so just turn to your friends sitting next to you and say, it's okay, no problem, it's okay. Yeah, the, the word soke, S-O-K-A-Y, is actually in the Singapore Dictionary. Yeah, it, it kind of doesn't mean anything. It just means I heard you. But it's actually in the dictionary. And, um, and we know that all of us, we evaluate our life based on our relationships. That's why some of our great memories in life come from our relationships. Like, I have a friend who's, uh, he, he's raising a son, and his six-year-old son and him were in their kitchen together, and they were making dinner. 
And his dad was working. The, the little boy, he wanted to be helpful. And, you know, little boys often want to be like their dads. And so, so he just reached up onto the counter. And he pulled a jar off of the counter. And he was going to open up the jar to help his dad out. And as he was trying to get the lid off the jar, he couldn't get it to open. So in frustration, he looked at his dad and he said, Dad, can you help me out here? And dad took the, the, lid, uh, the jar, took the lid right off. And in frustration, this little boy looked at his dad and he said, Dad... How come I couldn't get the lid to come off? And his dad looked at him and said, Well, son, this jar that you took off the counter, it has a child-proof cap on it. <laughs> Little boy thought for a moment and then looked at his dad and he said, Dad, how did it know it was me? God knows you, God knows all about you, and we have been praying that each one of you would take home a personal post-it note, a postcard from God's heart to your home as a result of us coming today. And I just want to personally thank you. Um, we did come you know, 12 years ago, and you're a very, very memorable church. In fact, um, we were asked this morning, do you remember coming here? I'm like, we totally remember coming here because... Okay, I'm just gonna tell you a little secret. From the stage, when we look out, we've never seen so many beautiful people. <laughs> like, you're all beautiful, but more importantly, you're beautiful on the inside, mm -hmm. not just the outside. And the Bible says, um, when Paul was on his journey, that he ran into some folks on an island, and he said they were unusually kind. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we feel about your church. You're mm -hmm. unusually kind. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we're looking forward to seeing what God might do for you um, through us deciding that we want to live love-wise at that intersection of God's love and God's wisdom. And Pastor asked to tell you quickly, what is love-wise all about? Love-wise is our, uh, our, our attempt to help get God's wisdom into all of your relationships because we know relationships matter. And when Pam and I got married, we knew three things. We knew that we loved Jesus. We knew that we loved each other, and we knew that we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and so we have been on a journey for our whole adult life. We've been on a journey to figure out how do relationships work. And I'm one of those people, we did not grow up in Christian homes. We did not grow up speaking church language. And so when we came to know Jesus, it wasn't enough for us to hear, hey, love your wife. I'm like, okay, I, I, I get that. How do I do it? And people would say, well, pray all the time. I'm like, okay, how do you do that? Study the Bible. How do you do that? Raise up your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. How do you do that? And that how has been the driving question of our ministry. And we have taken that how and, and the best we can put it into books. And there's videos online. And there's, there's opportunities to learn how to do this. Like, like men, all of you are asking, how do I, how do I make my wife happy? Haven't you asked that question? Even if you haven't said it out loud, you're like, all I want to do is go home from work this week and have my wife be happy with me. Okay? Well, that's a question I have asked, like, how, how? Because I, I want a happy wife, amen? Amen, brother, right? Like, my life's better when Pam's smiling and saying, yeah, it's awesome to see you. I'm like, yeah, it's happy good. Happy life, happy life. Yeah, and then she's got that look, you know, that can just cut right through anything, and I don't like that look. So I want to know, how do I get the look I like, and how do I live with a happy wife? Well, I put it into an app. So there's a phone app called Her Best Friend. It's one idea a day that comes to your phone on how to be your wife's best friend. Because statistics show the number one predictor of success in marriage is the friendship between a husband and a wife. So men, if you're looking for ideas, the, the way it works is if you like today's idea, run with it. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. Another one's coming tomorrow. So it's totally free, and that's the kind of thing we're doing in our ministries. We're developing resources that help people succeed at the how of their relationships. <clears throat> and so today we're going to be talking about how do we unlock the secret of getting into the heart to really understand and care and empathize and know your mm -hmm. mate in a way that you can be successful at love for a lifetime. And we appreciate uh, the invitation to be here today as part of the series because we know that the marriage relationship, it's the most intense relationship on earth. Now, the principles that apply to marriage, they apply to all relationships. They just operate at an intensity level in marriage that's higher than everything else. 
And the, the premier passage in the Bible on marriage is Ephesians chapter 5. If you're only going to read one passage on marriage to try to figure out what it's all about, Ephesians 5 is where you would want to go. And the summary statement of Ephesians chapter 5 is in verse 33. And, and I want you to notice the obvious here in this verse. There are different instructions given to men than there are to women. Okay, so the instruction for us men is love your wives as you love yourself. That's the summary of Ephesians 5 for men is we must love our wives as we love ourselves. And we women, we are supposed to respect or honor our husbands. And the two questions we asked about this is, first of all, why are there different instructions given to men and to women? And how do we live this out? Well, the reason why we believe there are different instructions is there is a truth about marriage that, again, applies to all important relationships, but it applies to marriage at a specific level, is there is a line of trust in every marriage. And when you're above this line of trust, like everything in marriage works well up here. Life is easy up here. You come home and you get greeted affectionately. You can make decisions together. Well, you, you, uh, you give each other the benefit of the doubt really quickly. And when you're above this line of trust, there's lots of red hot monogamy going on, which is a good thing. And, um, you, you start to think, wow, I married well. And this marriage thing, it is awesome. When you get below this line of trust, Everything that used to be easy now becomes awkward. And you come home and you say, hi, honey. And the response you get is, what do you mean by that? Lots of suspicion and disagreements. Yeah. It's hard to make decisions together. You don't really even like the person. Um, life is just hard and frustrating. And you're kind of confused out here. You're like, why is this so difficult? It should be easier than this because we love each other. And what we've discovered is that couples can tell when they're above the line of trust. Because they recognize it. It's easy. Things just kind of flow back and forth. Couples can tell when they're below the line of trust because everything is harder than it's supposed to be. But most people don't know what puts them above this line of trust and keeps them above this. And to, just to illustrate that most people know, <coughs> we're going to tell you a couple of stories and we want you to vote. It's a little quiz. Is this couple above the line of trust or below the line of trust? Okay, so there was this newlywed husband and um, he was coming home for his anniversary right after work. His anniversary happened to land during the week, um, during the business week. And so he got in his car and um, he started pulling out and it was gridlock traffic. Can I get an amen that sitting in traffic is not much fun? <laughs> not and, much and you know, fun. it takes a long time too. And he realized I'm not gonna get home on time on my anniversary. That is not a good way to start out. Mm -hmm. So he picks up his cell phone to call but like battery dead. He's like, oh no. So he shoots up a prayer. He's like, God, help a guy out. What am I gonna do? I can't just like come home late and not even tell my wife. And so a thought crosses his mind. He's like, oh yeah, that might work. So he grabs a piece of paper and he writes down the dilemma and his phone number. He sticks it on the window so passing motorists can see. And he gets home like 90 minutes late and he you know, comes in the house. He's not quite sure what he was gonna get. And his wife, wraps her arms around him and gave a long luscious kiss and said, oh, you must really love me. At least 50 people called to tell me that today. Is that above the line of trust or below the line of trust? Way Definitely above, above the line of trust. Right. Okay, this other couple was leaving a social event and as they were driving home, a police car came behind the car and started turning on its lights and sirens. The man looked at his wife and he said, do exactly what I tell you to do, follow my lead. So they pulled over. The officer said to the man, um, sir, are you aware that you have been speeding for a while? He said, well, no, sir. I checked the speedometer. I was going the speed limit. Ask my wife. She can corroborate. So the officer looked at his wife and he said, is that true, ma'am? And her response was immediate. She said, sir, I never argue with my husband when he's been drinking. <laughs> Above the line or below the line? <laughs> so you can always tell where you are on this line of trust. The question is, what causes you to be above that line of trust and to stay there? Well, the reason we believe that men and women <coughs> have different instructions <coughs> is there is a primary need in the wife uh, or in the, the heart of every woman that when that need gets met, it puts her above that line of trust. And there's a primary need in the life of every husband that when that need gets met, 
you get above the line of trust and you can stay above the line of trust. And these commands right here are aimed at those primary needs. Um, so let's start with us guys. We decided that we we're going to put it in terms of usernames and passwords to make it easy to remember. Because all of us are used to dealing with usernames and passwords in this technological age. And so men, on the day that we got married, we got our username. We were described as a husband. The password that gives you access to your wife's heart is the word security. Now, most of us guys think that that means, well, my wife wants to feel safe with me. And then we look in the mirror. Well, look at me. Anybody messes with my wife? I'm taking them out. And we think that that kind of meets the need. And then we also expand our thinking a little bit and say, well, my wife wants us to have enough money. Now, I would say to all of you guys in the room, of course these are true. Your wife wants to feel financially secure, and your wife wants to feel physically secure. But this right here is a highly emotional need in her life that you and I kind of have no working knowledge of. Because it's based on the fact that every woman's life is continually changing. Okay, the way that God designed you, you have no choice but your wife, your life to com constantly change. Because all those hormones, you know, PMS is like a real mm -hmm. deal. You know you might be PMS if you throw chocolate chips into your omelet. Mm -hmm. So it creates a scenario where every day of your life is a little bit different, and it creates a need to ask a question. And guys, your wife, uh, your daughter's asking this question also, your, your sister's asking this question, your mom's asking this question. It comes in lots of different forms, but it's the same question. The question is, <clears throat> is it safe to be who I am today around you? And again, it's because our life's always changing. The, the question is new every day. And if I were to illustrate it with Pam, like there are days that Pam, you are the most reasonable person I've ever met. I'm actually amazed on those days I can bring up any topic, any subject, and we have an incredibly reasonable conversation about it. There are other days that Pam is the most intense person I've ever met, and everything's going, we're gonna leave me bigger. There's other days that Pam is just very laid back and easygoing, and it's a good day for eating or drinking lemonade in the sunshine. And then there's some days at our home where there's a no-fly zone in our home. And on those days, I tend to only ask Pam, would you like flowers or chocolate? Both dark chocolate, 70%. So it creates this need to ask the question, I, I know we were good yesterday, but is it okay to be who I am today around you? And it comes in lots of different forms, it comes in lots of different uh, arenas, but it's constantly being asked in our relationships. And what I've discovered with Pam is that if I meet this security need first, if I assume that this need is always on the table and I get it addressed first, Everything beyond that goes really well. If I ignore this need, it tends to put us below that line of trust, and every conversation is difficult. And I, I actually got introduced to this. On our honeymoon, yeah. um, we went out and had a wonderful date the last night of our honeymoon, and then we came home and did what honeymooners do, a little red-hot monogamy, and it was wonderful, and I had Bill's attention, and so I started sharing all the details of my life, including, you know, talking about every boyfriend that I've ever had since kindergarten. And somewhere around grade seven, Bill fell asleep. And um, I started crying. I'm like, we've only been married a short time and he's already asleep. And um, so, like, you know, girls, when you cry so hard that you shake the bed on purpose crying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. I was doing. And so Bill woke up and I'm crying. I'm like, Pam, Pam, what's wrong? Like, we, we've had a great week and a great night. Why are you crying? We've only been married like a week and you yeah. think I'm so boring. You felt Boring? Asleep. Pam, Pam, I fell asleep because I was tired. Like, I married you because you're the most fascinating person I've ever met, and I want to spend the rest of my life getting to know you. That, I, I mean, I, I don't think you're boring. Oh, okay. So then I started to sing every country and western song I knew growing up, <laughs> and the night ended about 2 in the morning with me standing on the bed with my hairbrush singing Stand By Your Man. And I finally let the guy go to sleep, you know, and um, a few hours later, we had to get up about 6 in the morning to catch an early flight, 
And it was, it was Lake Tahoe, and it was snowing as a blizzard. And so Bill's out digging our car, putting chains on it, and look out at him. And I'm like, oh, what a good husband. And I get in the car, I'm like, oh, honey, if there's a test that you know husbands have to pass, you passed it 100%, I will never test you again. Now, I do think that was a sincere statement. I think that, you know, in her heart, she really didn't want to test me again. But this need in her life is so pervasive that she needs to check in regularly to see, are we still okay? And, and so to, just to illustrate that it's, it's a lifelong process, obviously Pam and I speak together. So we made an appointment, this is a few years ago, Pam and I made an appointment with each other to meet at our office in front of the computer to design a new seminar. Okay, now men... Can I get a witness for you? Is this clear? We're meeting in the office at the computer to design a seminar. Okay, I came to that meeting laser focused because the goal is very clear to me. We are meeting in the office at the computer to design a seminar. So I came loaded for bear, man. I was ready to roll. We sat down. We prayed for the meeting. And I'm like, okay, Pam, I've been thinking about this. I think we got to start the seminar right here. What do you think? not so sure about that one. Okay, well, about halfway through, I was thinking we could do this right here, because I think the people would really like this activity. What do you think? Mm, it's in the ballpark, but it's kind of like guy-like. I don't, I don't know. Okay, well, I was thinking about the end. We could kind of do this right here, like end with this big splash right here. What do you think? Um, almost, maybe. Kind of. No. Okay, now at this point, I'm getting really frustrated, folks. Because I'm thinking not all of my ideas can be bad. And I came ready for action. Like, I'm ready to go, and everything I'm throwing out is getting this kind of mediocre reaction. And I'm about to get really upset in this meeting. And, And man, those of you that are married, you know that getting upset with your wife at a moment like this is not very strategic. So I just shut up a quick prayer, and I said, Jesus, can you help me out? before I do something that I'm going to regret for a while. Like, please, I, I need help now. And this thought crossed my mind that I, I knew I didn't come up with on my own. And I went, okay, I'm going to try this. And I just like, looked at Pam. I said, Pam, you've really been missing me, haven't you? Yes. I mean, you're such a good pastor that you're just like so busy all the time. And you know, and then we write and speak, and so we're, like, always working. It just seems like I wish we could just go to Hawaii and, like, mm. get in a hammock and sit by the ocean, and mm. I just could be in your arms for, uh, you know, a couple hours or days. That would be nice. Okay. Yeah. I do miss you. Mm. So I got to thinking, well, we're not going to get any work done today. And as a man, you know, when you're focused, you gotta, you have to adjust. So I started shutting down all the work boxes. I said, okay, well, I thought the goal was to get a seminar done today, but I guess that's not the goal. Um, actually, the project is Pam. So I just said, well, okay, well, we're not going to get any work done, but at least we'll be, you know, we'll be okay by the end of the day. And so I just turned all my focus on Pam and assumed that she was going to be the real project for the day. And about 20 minutes later, all of a sudden she said to me, um, I think we could you know, like jump in and finish this thing. You, you know, we don't have to. Because you're way more yeah. important in this work. You're way more important in the seminar. And I know we could make another appointment on a day that would be easier. We could get it. So we, we really don't have to do this. I, I know, sweetie. But you like yep. cleared your schedule. And, you know, I'm good. I'm good. So, like, let's just you're jump sure. in and finish it. Because you do know you're way more important in this work. No, like, I know. I know. Let's rock it. We can do this. Okay. So... What do you think if we start right here? I was thinking that might be a good way to begin the seminar. Yeah, I think that's really good. Really? Yeah, I do. Really? Yeah. You know, about halfway through, I was thinking we could do this right here, and I think that people would like that activity. What do you think? Oh, that's fabulous. Like, I really fabulous? like that. Really? Yeah, I do. What I if do. we end right here and like do this big thing at the end right here? What do you think? So insightful. Wow. <laughs> like, love that. Folks, it was the exact same ideas. <laughs> the only thing that had changed is we had popped above that line of trust and the security need in Pam's life had gotten met where before it wasn't and now everything was just rolling. And it was another reminder to me that as men, if we take this and get this security need met first, everything else in life goes really well. And guys, this is a learned skill for us because we don't operate this way. Like, sir, what's your first name? 
Andrew, Andrew, it's good to meet you. You know, I'm probably not going to walk up to you this morning and say, Andrew, are you feeling safe? <laughs> right, it's a dumb question, right? Like, as men, we know that safety is somewhere on the list of uh, things in life because you can't live your adventure if you're dead. So safety is somewhere on the list, but it's certainly not in the top five. And then when we get married, we, get, we, we bring into our life this beautiful creature who asks this question on a regular basis. And so I just discovered it's well worth my time and effort to make sure the security need is met first because then everything beyond that goes really, really well and Pam is easier to live with and easier to love. And sometimes it's super simple. It's like ABCs even. Right, because we're always asking the how. So guys, if you want to know kind of where to start, um, the ABCs, anytime you alleviate stress in your wife's life, she's going to feel loved. Because women tend to be very caring creatures and they take on the issues that are around them. And so anytime you help alleviate stress in her life, she feels like you're for her and on her team. Anytime you make her feel beautiful, anytime you make her feel competent, anytime you make her feel desired, she will feel, most likely she'll feel loved and she'll pop above that line of trust. And men ask me all the time, like, when do I have to stop doing this? Like, when have I done this enough? So to give you some perspective, guys, let me, women were made in the image of God. Amen? Okay. And God loves to be worshipped. Amen? When do we need to worship God enough that he's heard enough from us to satisfy his glory? Never. If your wife's made in the image of God and God is, is designed to be worshipped, I'm not saying that we want to worship our wives because if she becomes an idol in our life, that's not a good thing. But this part of her makeup, it's a reflection of God's image. And so she longs to hear it over. She'll be fine if you don't. She'll just be better if you do. And so as long as she's breathing, she's worth complimenting. Amen? Yeah, meet that security need first. Easier to live with, easier to love. So on our side of the equation, what pops us above Mm -hmm. this line of trust? Well, when we got married, um, the user, whoops, the, the, we got the username wife, and the key that unlocks, that password that unlocks his heart is going to be success. When we meet the success need first, he's going to be easier to live with and easier to love. And um, so a lot of times, you know, men want success in all areas of life. They want success at work. They want success, you know, in making money. They want success um, as a dad. They want success in the community or in the church, but they definitely want success with you. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I wrote um, 52 Ways to Wow Your Husband, um, I got a lot of interviews from the men in the world. And the number one um, complaint we get from men is there's just no pleasing my okay. wife. So they want to know how to succeed with you. And that's on their heart. And so um, helping them succeed with you is a good idea. Now, a lot of times this whole need for success um, is sometimes called the male ego. And it's real. And I got introduced to it um, right after the honeymoon. We came home and we were at a birthday party and in California. It was, it was poolside and there was music playing. Bill's a good dancer and so he is like, you know, dancing me around. And then he does this big dip thing and he drops me on the ground. And I'm like, on the ground? I'm like, honey, why am I on the ground? I just ripped my pants. You guys, Bill just ripped his pants. Now, I thought it was funny. Our friends thought it was funny. Bill did not think it was funny. Not funny at all. As a very long, quiet ride home, <laughs> I learned something that day. Not a really good idea to point out your husband's flaws hmm. in public. It's not even a real great idea in <laughs> private, but definitely not a good idea in public. The Holy Spirit whispered to me, Pam, help him succeed. Um, help him look successful and feel successful and be successful. That's what a helpmeet does. And so I you know, put that thought away in my mind. And a few years later, Bill was a youth pastor, and I worked alongside of him there in that ministry. And he was so successful at that, um, he was asked to be in the pulpit of that um, mega church. And then people liked his messages, and everybody's like, you should have your own church, Bill. And so at age 28, um, Bill was led into the lead pastorate. And um, right after we got to this new community, uh, we sold our big, beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath home that Bill had totally remodeled, um, and we moved into a little apartment. 
Now, living in an apartment it was not the big deal, but after we moved into this particular apartment, we found out about the rule. And the rule in this apartment complex is that children were not allowed on the front porch, on the back porch, on the patio, on the sidewalk, on the grass. It's like kids couldn't exist. And I had two rowdy toddlers and no car. We had one car and Bill used it for work, so most of the time I was with the boys in this apartment depressed. I'm normally a pretty optimistic person, um, but one day I went into the walk-in closet to get something out of the closet. Then I couldn't even remember what I went there for, and so I just sat down on top of this dirty load of laundry, and my two little toddlers you know, wandered in, and my four-year-old Brock said, what's wrong, mommy? And I'm like, I don't know. And I just wrapped my arms around those two little guys and rocked back and forth and back and forth until they fell asleep. I put Brock in his bed and Zach in his crib, and I went um, to the kitchen table and I picked up my Bible, and I began to thumb through, Lord, you have to give me an answer to this pain. And I came, you know, because when Bill comes home, you know, he hears, why do you do this to me, and how long do we have to live like that? And uh, that makes Bill want to run home to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lord, you have to give me an answer to this pain. And I went through the Bible and looking for the places that had been highlighted, and I came across this verse. Wives, honor your husbands. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there should be a loophole for times like this, mm -hmm. God. And so I'm pulling out my Bible study tools, looking for the loophole, how I can opt out of honoring Bill. But instead of learning how I wanted to opt out, I, God showed me how to opt in and what honor really meant. And he said, Pam, I want you to see Bill as I see Bill, a man worthy of honor and respect because I gave him to you as a gift Pam, I want you to speak to Bill with words that build Bill up, encourage him, and edify him. Um, Pam, I want you to serve Bill, serve alongside of him, help him succeed in this new ministry, um, be the helpmeet you were created to be. And so I called Bill on the phone and I said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And Bill said, I think so. He wasn't sure what he's going to get. Mm -hmm. And so over lunch, I said, you know, honey, and God just like showed me what it meant to honor you. And I explained what I just explained. And I said, from this moment on, like if I don't get all the stuff, the new house, the new car, like that's okay. Um, but 100% from this moment on, I am on your team. Hmm. And folks, if I were to show you what my internal reaction looked like, it was kind of like, yes. Because the reality of life is the most important opinion on earth to me is Pam's. The only person's opinion that matters more to me than Pam is Jesus. And so when Pam said, Bill, I'm on your team, I don't know how to describe it to you folks, but I changed. I became a better pastor. I was working less hours and getting more done. I figured out almost immediately how to get our family out of this apartment we were in into a rental house that had a yard so that our boys could use their big muscles. And that same year, we committed to build a home in the county of San Diego so we could build roots in the community and I was actually working harder than I was before, but it felt easier because I knew that Pam was on my team. And that's the power of marriage is when you believe in each other and you get these needs met, it has a transforming effect on how we view life and our attitude and our ability to live in the strength that God has given us. So to get above that line of trust, Meet his success need first, and he's going to be easier to live with and easier to love. And these needs, that if you get them met, that put you above that line of trust, they, they came out of the truth that we taught you last time we were here, in that we are different. And we, we know those differences are very deliberate, because in Genesis 1.27, we read these words right here. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And we kind of get this because as you look around the room, you can tell that some of us are male and some of you are female. But again, the question we got asked over and over again is, well, how do I live with these differences? And that's why we came up with this word picture to help people know how to work with the differences that men are like waffles. And women are like spaghetti. And just to remind you and introduce those of you who weren't here, if you were to diagram the way a typical man processes information, it looks like the top of a waffle. There's a bunch of boxes, and all those boxes are separated from one another by walls. And the way we as men operate is the first issue in life goes in the first box, second issue goes in the second box, third issue goes in the third box, and so on. And we as men, we spend time in one box at a time and one box only. So when a man is at work, he is at work. When a man's in the yard doing yard work, he is in the yard doing yard work. 
When a man is watching TV, hello. He's watching TV. We do one thing at a time and one thing only. And as men mature, we do jump boxes faster than we used to. So at times we kind of imitate multitasking. But in reality, we've just learned to jump from one box to another faster than we used to. And for part of your life, folks, this single focus that us men bring to, to life, it is very valuable. Because we are problem solvers by nature. The way we like to operate is we go into a box, figure out the problem, assign a solution to it, and then we move on. And if we get to a box and we see what the problem is and we don't know what the solution is, <laughs> we just move on. <laughs> and folks, your family needs that single focus that men bring to life. The workforce needs that single focus that us men bring. The church, the community, all benefit from that single focus. But it, it interrupts some of your most significant relationships because you ladies just don't process like a waffle. Right. Social scientists have said for a long time men compartmentalize and women integrate, but nobody really talks like that. Um, and so if you look at the way God wired our minds, because these differences do go like below the surface. It, I mean, it's down to our DNA and mm -hmm. our hormones, XX, XY, you know, estrogen, testosterone. It matters. These differences matter. And so if you look at the way God wired our minds, we have more connections between the two hemispheres. And so it looks like uh, a little bit like one noodle laying on a plate of spaghetti. If you follow that noodle around that plate, it looks like it touches pretty much every other noodle on the plate. And that's the way we women process life, is we travel through life making emotional connections to the people and things that matter most to us. And so by nature, we're really great at multitasking, or sometimes it's called toggle tasking, mm -hmm. jumping from thing to thing to thing. And we can be on the phone with our friend, and her life's all falling apart, and we're watching Oprah, and there's Dr. Phil, and he's saying, how's that working for you? So we're like, how's that working for you, honey? Yeah, you should come to um, Community Christian. Those people are like so nice, and um, they have like, Really, they have coffee and they have a fireplace out in the lobby that's like so nice. And you just need to come. At the same time, we're writing our Christmas card list, our grocery list, and our to-do list for our, um, you know, husband and six kids. As we're telling the kids in sign language to cook, fighting, can you see them on the phone? We have a load in the washer, a load in the dryer. We're cooking dinner, and we can open and shut the oven doors. What? Right, go, ladies. Awesome, <laughs> multitasking. <clears throat> And that's a gift to the family, to the church, to the community, that multitasking is. But sometimes that multitasking in conversation and Great. communication can be a little frustrating to the men in our world, like our husband. Because we admire this about you ladies, but it gets confusing when you have conversations with us that sound like, hey, honey, how's your truck running? You know, well, I thought about your truck today because I drove by your favorite truck store because I was on my way to go buy a new outfit because I found this outfit that I knew was going to look really good on me because it was my color. Because last year at church, we learned all about what colors look good on you and what colors don't don't look good on you. And I figured out I was a spring palette. And so I found this outfit that was going to look really good on me. And it's always good when I know I look good because if I, if I know I look good, my confidence level is higher. And if my confidence level is up, then I think clearer. And if I think clearer, then I make better decisions. And that makes me easier to live with. And you know what? It was the same color that Meghan Merkel just wore at the wedding. I, like, did you, did, you, did you see the birthday party of the queen? She had that blue outfit on. Did you see that? Well, I, like, that's the same color I would look really good in. And, and it's the same color the queen wore the, the year before at her birthday. I don't know if you saw that. And it's the same color Mrs. Trump wore at the inauguration. Like, I think that's funny. I have the same color, you know, schemes, all those three, but you don't really care about all that, right? And so, but I know you like sports, and you remember this, the Winter Olympics? You remember the German team that had black outfits with a big blue stripe? So, like, I'd look really good in that, too, because the, the black kind of centuries, the blue is my color. And, but I thought it was so sad, that last race with those three ladies going around the ice, and they were, they were taking turns leading, and then that one fell down at the end, and she just slid across the finish line. I thought that was so sad, you know, four years training for the Olympics, she just fell down at the end, and such a sad way to end, and, you know, remind me that a lot of our friends have been falling down in their life. And so, you think we could just stop for a moment right now and pray for our friends? friends. <laughs> now, now, ladies, when you have conversations with us that sound like that, we are frantically jumping boxes, <laughs> trying to figure out where this conversation is going. And while you think we're praying for the friends, what we're really thinking is, so what about my truck? So these differences are real and we have to work them in and it creates this uh, just need to have an acceptance of one another. Um, like one of the most important things that we need you ladies to just kind of process is that a few of the boxes that every man's waffle I, actually looks like this right here. Like there are no thoughts, there are no words. 
And we as men, we park in these blank boxes. I, I'm sure you've seen it before. And you must have some kind of radar because every time we get in these blank boxes, you ask the dreaded question. So hey, what you thinking there? Which is a really hard question for us because we tried telling you the truth. We said nothing. And your response is, you can't be thinking nothing. You'd be thinking something. So what is it? Ladies, I'm here to tell you, every man I've ever met has the ability to think absolutely nothing. Am I right, guys? Yeah. (coughs) So these differences, they they create some very unique dynamics in marriage, one of which you have to clue into the, the key need of your husband or your wife so that you can get above that line of trust and enjoy the relationship. The other is you have to just work on listening to each other because we speak very different emotional languages. And just to remind you of that, um, check out this little video clip as a reminder of how important it is to listen to one another. Das hier ist ein Mindset. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät, das wissen möchte. Das Gerät und das Überlebensräder. So yes, listen to each other and then listen to the Holy Spirit. And um, to get above this line of trust, we just want to encourage you that sometimes it's just one breakthrough away. You're just mm-hmm. one breakthrough right. away from a great marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of it kind of like a football game. Um, we, you know, we have boys that all had uh, college scholarships, um, and most of them in football. Bill was a quarterback, so I spent a lot of time in football. That would be the goal line right there. Well, the, the you know, 10 yards right before that, that's the red zone. And things are tough there. I mean, there's a lot of pushing and shoving and trash talking there. I mean, it's rugged right here. But you bump across and like, woo, goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's the way it is in marriage. Only in marriage, it's not just one person who wins. When mm-hmm. you get across that line of trust, both of you yes, gain the do. victory. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is very interested in giving you the victory. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to share a little example of how we live out this verse in Galatians. Right, Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And when it comes to our marriage relationships, like, guys, I'm going to speak for us, ladies. I, I, I don't dare speak for you, but as, as men, like these women that we're in love with, they are impossible to understand. Like, we're trying, we're interested, but, but we never get to a point where we say, oh, I get it. I know exactly what she's going to do next. I know exactly how she operates because she's different than us. So there's always a mystery. So there are times in your relationship where you do not know what to do. You don't know what to say. You you don't know what the next right thing to do is. And as a man, because you're a problem solver, you're going to try something. And my encouragement to you is before you try the something, just stop and say, "Hey, hey, Jesus, can you help me out? Can you show me what to say? Show me what to do. Would you show me what to not say and show me what to not do? Because the person who understands your wife completely is the Holy Spirit. Because God's a creator, God made your mate, so nobody knows better how to love your mate than God who created your mate. And so when you check in with God and simply shoot up a prayer, God, help a girl out here. Show me what to say. Show me what to not say. Show me what to do. Show me what to not do. The Holy Spirit will lead you in loving your mate even in some tough circumstances. Right, and folks, all this is is you and I getting our ears tuned up because the Holy Spirit's already whispering. The Holy Spirit already cares about your relationships. In fact, he cares about your relationships more than you do because he knows that every successful marriage is a projection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he is already saying, hey, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't say that. 
Or you'll open up the Word and it'll say, do this. Right. Ah, yeah, thanks, Lord. And all we have to do is tune up our ears to be able to hear because the Holy Spirit's already engaged. And it doesn't matter how mature you are or how immature you are in your faith, the Holy Spirit is so interested in your relationships that he will, he will share ideas with you that are tailor-made for your spouse. And sometimes he's come across kind of silly, okay, because part of marriage is a, is a dance between the two of you. And Pam, was out do, yeah, Pam was out doing errands one day, and I was sitting at home, and I was saying, you know, Jesus, I, I want to be successful in my marriage, so anything you've got to share with me, like, that would be, that would be awesome. And this thought crossed my mind, next time you see Pam, you need to say, it's especially you. Oh, that's weird. And then just a few minutes later, I walked in the door, I'm like, hey, it's just me. I went, oh, I said, no, it's especially you. And she went, what'd you say? I said, no, it's especially you. So now I do it on purpose. Hey, it's just me. No, it's especially you. And, you know, it's one of those silly things that I'm like, I don't even want to tell my friends about this because my guys are going to give me all kinds of grief over this. But it has a huge impact on her because it fits where her heart is at. A little more red-hot monogamy above that line of trust. That's right. So sometimes it's silly. But sometimes... It's profoundly it, helpful. It rescues you. Yes. We were... This is a more recent um, illustration. Bill was pastoring at this time, <coughs> and um, we had done this big baptism. There's like 40 people that got baptized, and we do it all on the beach because that's where our church was, was there in Southern California. And so the baptism was over, and it had been a great dinner, mm. and, but there's still plenty of sun in the sky, and so everybody's out in the water. It's been a great you know, Our boys, our three sons are out there on their boogie mm-hmm. boards. Bill and I are holding hands, and we're like watching this, you know, the sun go down, and the waves splashing around us, and it was just pleasant. Mm-hmm. And um, I happened to check my watch. I'm like, oh, hun, I like, probably should head home. Right, because you have the women's event tomorrow. I do, I Those women are going to be so still. blessed by you. So, so you go home, take care of whatever you need to do. I'll, I'll finish up with the boys here. And when they're all done, I'll pack everything up and meet you at home. Okay? That sounds really good. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, the only thing I, you might yep. not have noticed that the lifeguard, he right. just like announced that he was right. gone. Right. And so because the lifeguard's gone yep. and I'm gone, I like, I think we should get the boys out of the water. Re- really, Pam, it's okay. Like, I know you have a busy night, a busy day tomorrow. I've got time to watch the kids. And so we'll let them finish. You can head home. You don't need to worry about them. You can take care of what you need to. And like, we're all good. So I so appreciate your helpfulness here, honey, but like, I don't think you get it. Like the lifeguard got, he like got in his Jeep and he's like going up and down. He put right? those flags that. about undertoes yeah, and yeah, riptides yeah. and he's like, danger, danger, you know, he's doing that. And so I think we need to, like, he's gone. I'm gone. We need to get the boys out of the water. Okay. Now folks, a little bit of backstory. Okay. I, I grew up with a mom who doesn't make sense. But my mom had a very difficult childhood. I, I would describe her to you as a, a natural leader who's very wounded. And her response was she created her own little reality. To, to give you an example of that reality, my mom currently only eats white food because she has white skin. And my mom believes that if, uh, the, if the trash men can smell her trash, they will send the authorities to her house. So my mom literally washes all of her trash before it goes in the trash can. My mom has the best smelling trash can in North America. I guarantee it. And and I could go on and on with all of the things my mom came up with that don't really make sense. And when I get around a female who doesn't make sense, like I'm okay with the emotional stuff that happens, but when the dots don't connect, I start to panic inside. And right now, Pam is not making sense to me. So I said to her, Pam, I don't understand. You love to divide and conquer. You have clear responsibility. I can take care of the boys. I don't understand why they have to get out of the water. Okay, well, I know what's going to happen here. Like, you're a super loved pastor. And there's like hundreds of people here. They're all going to be like wanting to talk to the pastor. You're going to get all distracted. Our boys are in the water. They're going to float to Hawaii. Hawaii? Get the boys out of the water. How did Hawaii get into this conversation? Okay, let me see if I got this correctly. You've trusted me to take these same boys down to Mexico without you, and you're not sure I can watch them right here in our backyard. Is that what you're saying to me? And just then the Holy Spirit's like, stop talking, blonde chick, stop talking. <laughs> so I stopped talking. And I shot up a prayer. I'm like, God, we need some help here. Like, we were all happy. We're not happy. Like, what just happened here? Help a girl out. And just then the Holy Spirit like whispered to me and I thought, I think I know what just happened. Okay. 
I think our baggage just collided. I would say so. I bet I sounded a little bit like your mom just now. Now, you said that. I did not bring that up. You said that. Yeah, I mean, it is baggage from the past. Wow. Okay, my dad was an alcoholic. He was totally untrustworthy. But you weren't untrustworthy. I mean, man, I just made you pay my dad's tab. Mm. Wow, so sorry. Like, you've always been trustworthy. You're right. You have taken the boys all kinds of places, and they've come home alive. Okay, there's two ways to live, by fear or by faith. Okay. I choose to live by faith. I'm going to go home and pack. Okay. And you will bring those yes, boys I home. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. And all three of those boys were at the youngest son's wedding last year. So they survived the night. <clears throat> and, and folks, I have to give Pam a lot of credit. Because that was a very intense moment for us involving the people on earth that we care about the most. And it could have turned into a long, tense argument between the two of us. But because Pam was able to stop and shoot up this prayer and listen to the Holy Spirit's whisper... Not only did we resolve that pretty quickly, but it's become a cherished memory in our relationship because my respect for Pam went so high because she was able to connect with Jesus right in the middle of this very intense circumstance. And we're going to have Bill pray for you because it really comes down to that simple concept of letting the Holy Spirit lead your heart to love your Mm -hmm. mate meet his success need, he's going to be easier to live with, easier to love, mm-hmm. meet her. Right, so men, do your best to, to meet her security need and make her feel like she, it's okay to be who she is today around you. And when you don't know how to do that, say, Jesus, would you show me what to say, show me what to do, so that this woman feels as important as she actually is in your view. That's right. So, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity of knowing you. Thank you that you had the idea of marriage in the first place. And thank you for dignifying marriage by making it a reflection of the greatest message of hope on earth, that the love between Christ and the church gives us the hope of eternal life. And so, Lord, would you put your hand of favor upon each family represented here. May you cause the marriages to flourish. May you cause young people to gain wisdom in their relationships. And may you use grandparents to pass on a legacy of strength and hope that will cause people yet to be born to talk about how good you are. So we commit each of these people to your grace, and we pray that you would do through each of us what is beyond us for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you. We just wanted to encourage you to stop by our table, and um, you can give us your email and become one of the Friends of the Ferals. Um, We encourage you to be a part of our world. Even on Facebook on Thursday, we'll be doing a little mini seminar on tackling the transitions. So we can join you there on Facebook, even though we're miles away. So enjoy living and loving above this line of trust. Pastor Tony, they're all yours. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.